alive and now I'm blessed because of you God I was a gardener now it's an honor to be a part of something bigger than me something that's kingdom something that's you I'm just a vessel Lord what do I do if it's not you if it's not true that is just something I don't wanna do I don't wanna hey, do some of y'all confused about the way that I'm living now say that I'm Christian you people think that I found religion we'll take a sec listen before you make descriptions knowing Christ is way better than just some false religion but do you know what it's like to have a friend like Christ cause I can say without a doubt that I seen light but they be laughing like I'm taking the L well I'd rather take an L than buy a ticket to hell well I know the devil's mad that I went and took the glory road clever the Holy Ghost and chilling with the holy folks I'd rather have Christ than drugs living in comatose or all they drinking almost dead from an overdose either way I know I'm covered by the blood of Jesus so go and hee hee all you want cause I'ma still believe him if seeing is believing you ain't seeing nothing cause having faith it is then that you'll be seeing something look I do this for God's glory the old me is gone and the new me is not mourning the old me is buried new me is now holy when the old me was silent the new me is outspoken look I've chosen not to follow the trend drink for the water of life and not that bottle of gin this another battle that the devil's not gonna win if he say he wants a war then I've already won ain't no weapon form against me you know what will never prosper exposing all your works and increasing Omega's roster taking over regions demons finna get cast out have them all screaming we're finna take all this trash out I seen the victory literally I was living miserably till the Lord took me out of my misery but even if I had to go and fight that devil physically I'ma go and hit him with some fivefold ministry see all the devil's just a word of advice and you better think twice cause I'm a soldier for Christ specialized for the Lord and chopping the heads of serpents you better think again if you try to come steal my purpose I'm not worthless Once I was dead, but now I'm alive, and now I'm blessed because of you, God. I was a gardener, now it's an honor to be a part of something bigger than me. Something that's kingdom, something that's you. I'm just a vessel, Lord, what do I do? If it's not you, if it's not true, that is just something I don't want to do. I don't want to do, do, do.
how is everybody doing this evening? Let me pull my uh, my YouTube up so I can start just thanking people and saying hello to everybody. And hey, man, how's everybody been doing? How's everybody's day been doing? Good to see y'all. Good to see y'all. Hey, man. I'm excited to uh, be here on this Tuesday. I don't know if my little mic thing is supposed to do that. I think I broke it. I'm good for breaking stuff, y'all. Man, I'm always having some type of mic trouble. Hey, man. There we go. Is that a little better? Hey, man. Can everybody hear me okay? Hey, man. Hallelujah. All right, what's going on, Miss Josie? Good to see you. First lady, as always. How you doing, Miss Dardenise? If you're in the chat on YouTube, uh, just say hello, and then I can acknowledge you. Good to see everybody in the house. Good to see you, Miss Jamelia. Good to see the Arnolds uh, in the house. Jamelia, just so you cool, she just like sit. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, welcome to the Firebase Forum. If you are not familiar with the Firebase Forum, just like the sign says, there's just burning questions. So, let me show you uh, or explain to you how the Firebase Forum works. You get to ask any questions that you want, and we try our best to answer them right here. So, and not just answering them with some random answer, but actually giving you the word of God. Uh, you don't want my opinion. Everybody has some weird, random opinion about everything. You don't want my opinion. What you want is the word of God. So here to give you the word of God. Uh, so we always, you ask your question, and then we're going to go to the Bible to try and answer it. Amen? So we're going to pray in, and then uh, we'll start answering questions. Let me pull this tag off. We're not endorsing any water. Um, always normally pull these off. Amen. Thanks to everybody that helped uh, get everything ready today, and uh, God bless you. So excited to um, see you today. Got a chance to hang out with the kids, and we went to the store, and God bless you guys. We're so excited to uh, hang out with you. So, amen. Let's pray, and then you guys can jump in with your questions. Remember, you can ask whatever questions you want, um, and I will try my best. I don't know everything there ever was about everything that God ever instructed or commanded, um, but uh, we will try to dive in the Word and find the answers. Amen. So, um, once again, if you're on YouTube, I can see you. You can just say something, and I'll see the questions here. But the AV team can see all of the questions. So, hello to everyone on Twitch and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, streaming, and all of these other places. Go ahead and type in your question. The AV team will flash a light and let me know. Um, that there's a question so that I can answer it for you. 
All right, we already have our first question, but let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to just dive in into the questions. Lord God, thank you for another the fire-based forum, Lord God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your strength, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, our first question. Amen. And can you guys, AV team, see the questions uh, on the left side? They're good? Okay. We recently changed platforms. Wanted to make sure that they were able to see it. All right. All right. First question, does God send deceased loved ones in your dreams or send a stranger to warn us of danger? Question, does God send deceased loved ones in your dreams or send a stranger to warn us of danger? So that's, that's a really, really good question. Let's go ahead and open uh, the word up here. I instantly start thinking of uh, our famous... Uh, Bible dream interpreter, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's in. Let's see, is it Exodus? Because there's several times God has God has warned people uh, in their dreams, but you don't really see um, where God is sending, say, past loved ones or anything like that. Uh, so let's go to, There we go. I have two hands today, so I can actually type. All right. There we go. My laptop's been a little laggy, or tablet. So let's go to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. Genesis 41, and uh, for those online, I'll be in the, try to always stick to the same version so everyone knows uh, the version. Sometimes we go to two different versions depending, but normally we're in the NIV. All right, Genesis 41, we're talking about does God, the question on the floor is, does God, oh, hey man, boom, AV team is on it. Um, amen. Genesis 41. Now, this is the ESV. I don't know if you guys can switch to the NIV um, at all. But after two years, two whole years, um, that's funny when people say that. Oh, yeah, two, that was two whole years ago. What is that? I thought all years are whole years. But after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the what? By the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. I don't know how cows are attractive, um, but hey, I guess if you're, uh, you know, if that's your thing, I don't know. But so seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed uh, in the reed grass. 
And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And this is Pharaoh's dream, right? And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh did what? Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, and were growing on one stock as a foodie. I can get plump and good on some food. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted, which means wind blighted, um, by the east wind. And then, and thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. Don't know why they call it, say potatoes have eyes and corn hairs ears. I don't know, but that's. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Not sure why they say that, but. Uh, so in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the what? All of the magicians of Egypt and all of its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who could interpret them uh, for Pharaoh. Now, mind you, what has happened uh, up until this point? Where has Joseph been? Joseph has been in prison, right? So is Joseph supposed to be in prison? No, Joseph's not supposed to be in prison. He's falsely in prison, for one, so he shouldn't have been there. And then for two, he interpreted another fellow's dream, the baker and the cupbearer. The baker, he said, hey, man, you're going to die. And he died, and the cupbearer said, you're going to be restored. And when you get restored, do what? Tell the Pharaoh about me so he can get me out of here. Did he do it? No. So now the Pharaoh himself is having dreams that need to be interpreted. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, whoa, you know what? Some years ago when you threw me in prison, I met a guy. You know, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servant and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night he and I each having a dream with its own what? interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When he told him, he interpreted our dream to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his what? To his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about, I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. So God has clearly sent him a dream. <laughs> so God has sent him a dream. And God has sent an interpreter for that dream and Joseph. And we know what it means. Seven years they had all of the wheat and all the food they could use. And then seven years was famine. And Joseph was the man, only second to Pharaoh, who was able to uh, take care of that and deal with that and manage that. So in the Bible, we do see God sending people dreams. So really, it's two questions. One is, does God send our dead ancestors to us in our dreams? That was a part and the B part was, does God, uh, was it come to us in our dreams? Let me, let me pull it up, make sure I get it, get the question right here. Does God um, uh, send deceased loved ones to us um, and, uh, and send a total stranger to warn us of danger? So the A part of that, does God send deceased loved ones to us in our dream? Who knows the answer to that? Where is your hand? Where do we have mics? Um, where's, where's my incredible uh, Vanna White of mics? Um, so who knows? Does God send us, and I'm going to pose this back to everyone, and you can answer online. I see people already firing it up here. Um, does, does God send deceased loved ones to us? Just yell it out at me while we get, get you a mic. Who's, some, some say yes. Who says yes? 
Raise a hand. Who says no? Raise a hand. The no's have it. God does not, that's not grandma in your dreams. Nana, I saw Nana in my dreams, and uh, she told me she had went on to glory. And she told me my, my winning numbers was 584-326, and they'll play the Powerball on Thursday. Thank you, Nana. That wasn't Nana. You miss your Nana, uh, and you want it to be Nana, but that wasn't Nana. Because where is Nana? What is it, when, when we die, where do we go? Do we? Uh-oh. Who said that? Who said asleep? Come on, somebody. Give her a hand. Give her a... Now, see, now I'm torn. I don't know whether she gave the answer, so I don't know whether to pull up the scripture or not. Uh, matter of fact, I was just in... Oh, see, this is what happens when you're reading nine different places in the Bible. Um, so let's go to the first place. Because I was somewhere just today, yesterday, and it was just talking about being asleep, but it's not the normal scripture that we normally use. All right. Who's on the rooted challenge? Make some noise if you're doing the rooted challenge. Come on. Isn't it good? Isn't rooted so good? We're learning so much. Who've learned just a ton of stuff that they never, like, I didn't know this was in the Bible. Everybody's just like, what? They cut folks up? What happened? Right? Yeah, man. You start reading, and you read, you read all kinds of stuff. And one thing you read is, man, there's people that have problems just like me. These people are going through stuff just like me. These people have had issues just like me. Amen. Um, so there's, uh, there's, there's so many places where we can go to, to talk about being um, asleep. Um, I really want to use... Choose some New Testament references. And we can actually go to Jesus, his own words. Amen. Move out the way. Just land on that horn. Amen. All right, so let's go to. Um, I'll have to pray for my iPad. This thing is like a million years old. I just, I think it's, it's giving up. I think it's going to sleep. All right. All right. There we go. Go to Matthew 9.24. Go to Matthew 9.24. Oh, and let's see. 
pull it up on the screens, back it up to Matthew 9.15. We'll read to Matthew 9.24. And then we'll read John 11 after that, and we can start it at verse 1. So John 11 next, and then we'll do Matthew 9, starting at verse 15 now. Do we have it up on there? Matthew 9, 15. Amen. Then there's, a, there's in Revelation. Um, and actually, we read it, I think, at a Firebase forum when we were talking about um, the dead coming back to life, right? And somebody asked a question about the mark of the beast. Y'all remember that? And uh, we were talking about the dead coming back to life. Um, and obviously, if the dead are coming back to life at the rapture, um, then they're not already alive or in heaven or hell. Even though there is a scripture that references that some, are, when they die, go straight to hell. But anyway, we'll just we'll we'll stick on the surface right now, or we won't go deeper than we have to for this question. All right. And Jesus said to them, "Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will what? Because they're getting on to Jesus, saying, "Hey, John's disciples fast. Everybody else fasted, but your disciples aren't fasting." No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the piece. Uh, the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Now, this is red. What, who is talking when it's red? Jesus. All right. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are what? Preserved. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. His daughter is what? Dead as a doornail. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will what? Live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for how many years? Twelve years. Came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. We've talked about this. For she said to herself, if I only touch his what? Garment. If y'all not watching The Chosen, watch it. It's so good. It, it, it shows this whole scene. I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you what? Well. And instantly the woman was made what? Made well. You guys still trying to find it? Oh, you guys are in the NIV? And this is the ESV, well, what ESV? I think the guys are trying to get me in the NIV. Well, let me read it from the NIV. That way we can all be, be on the same his age. All right. Let me read it from, uh, from here, from the NIV. All right. What verse was I on? 23? All right, here we go. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, 
Uh, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but what? Asleep. Now, is the girl dead? Yeah, she's dead as a doorknob. That girl is dead. But Jesus didn't say she's dead. He said she's what? Asleep. So which is it? Is she dead or is she asleep? Who says? <laughs> so who says dead? Who says asleep? You're both right. They're like, I'm going with Jesus. Jesus says she, you never go wrong going with Jesus. Um, but Jesus later, Jesus used this a couple times. Um, cue up John, if you can get, uh, switch over to NIV and cue up John 11.11. 11. Um, but it says she's dead. She says, no, she's not dead. She's asleep. Let's cue up John 11, 11. And Jesus clears all of this up. So let's start at uh, John 11, 11, verse 8. John 11, 11, verse 8. But what? But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. NIV, woo! We're in business. Hey, man, AV team is on it. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going what? You're going back. Okay, tithe and offering. That's, that's, there we go. All right. <laughs> you are going back. All right, let me go back to the book. They might have it. All right, they're working it out. All right, but you are going back. Verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not how many hours of daylight? 12 hours of daylight. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not what? Stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen what? Asleep. All right, is, is Lazarus asleep or dead? Who said? <laughs> They're like, I don't know. I don't know. All right, who says dead again? Who says asleep? All right. They were like, we're always going with Jesus. Amen. Well, Jesus clears it up. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to what? Wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps. Because remember, Mary and his sister came and said that, hey, Jesus, you should have been here because Lazarus is what? Lazarus is dead. So Mary and, and Martha, they're running to Jesus, and they're angry, and they're upset. Their brother just died, and they're saying, why didn't you hear if you was here? He wouldn't have died. What's wrong? And he goes, oh, he's just asleep. Tell the disciples, we're coming. In. We're just going to go and wake him up. And, and, and the disciples go, well, they're, they're worried about him being dead and dying of sickness. If he's just asleep, he'll do what? Wake up on his own. He says, our friend has fallen asleep, and I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, lowercase o-r-d. What, what word is that? Master, I do not. Master. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Why are we wasting our time? If he's asleep, he's going to do what? He's going to get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. Jesus had been speaking of his what? 
Jesus had been speaking of his what? His death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, look him, bro, look, bro, Lazarus is dead, okay? So he just told them plainly, listen, Lazarus is dead. All right, good, good googly moogly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad he's dead. What? That's, isn't that something? That, Pastor Johnny, we need you to come in and preach our grandma funeral. I'm glad she's dead. What? A horrible thing to say. Jesus breaks it down and says, come on, man. All right, let me break it down plainly. I was saying he's asleep. I've been saying people are asleep, and I go raise him back from the dead. This is like the 14th time, and you're still saying, uh, don't know what's going on. Listen, Lazarus is dead, man. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you might believe, but let us go to him. And then on 23, we see Jesus said to her, your brother will what? Rise again. So was the little girl dead or asleep? <laughs> Who says dead? All right, now it's a split room. Who says asleep? Who says both? Do both. That's what Jesus is trying, that's the point Jesus is making. He says she's dead, because everybody in the natural goes, they're looking at her physical body and going, she's dead. Jesus is looking at the spiritual and saying, listen, she's not dead. Because when the Bible speaks of death, when God speaks of death, he's speaking of there's a natural death, and then in the Bible they talk frequently about the second death, which is going to hell. God doesn't care about the natural death. Why? That, why would God, who's eternal, and us, all of us, will live for an eternity? Will I live for an eternity in heaven, or will live for an eternity in hell? But we will never die. God didn't die. We won't die. So the natural death is considered the natural death, the first death. But the death, the only death really that God is concerned with is the second death. That's the only one that matters. That's the only one He wants us to be concerned with. We are sad when Grandma's gone. If grandma was a righteous woman, we shouldn't be sad. We should be rejoicing. Amen? And if grandma isn't a righteous woman, we need to be trying to tell her about Jesus while she's still alive and not wait until it's too late. I made that mistake in one of my, well, my grandmother was a believer. She wanted me, she's wheelchair bound, and I was like 18 years old, and she wanted me to take her to the Pentecostal church that I went to, and uh, she passed away before I took her. Right? So you never get those moments back to tell people about the Lord and about Jesus, why we have to have some fire in it. So yeah, they're looking at the little girl and they're looking at Lazarus and, and Mary's crying and Martha's crying, our brother's dead and the uh, daddy of the 12-year-old girl is crying and mama's crying and he gets to the house and mourners and he's just like, she's not dead, she's merely asleep. And then they, they laugh at him. Don't you know they laughed in Jesus' face? <laughs> she's dead, we know dead, what do you know about dead? We're here mourning her and crying over here, and you're talking about she's not, huh, you're so dumb. And, and then Jesus said, put all of these people out. <laughs> she's not dead. I said she was asleep. You're looking at her physical body and saying she's dead. I'm looking at her spirit and saying she's asleep waiting on judgment. You're looking at Lazarus' body saying he's dead, but he's merely asleep waiting on judgment. So yeah, the physical body's dead, but your spirit never dies. What God considers death is a second death. That means you missed heaven. That's the only death we should ever be worried about. These bodies, you can get sick, they'll die, but we'll, that's not where it stops. So yeah, so naturally dead, spiritually just asleep. 
So since your soul still exists and you're just asleep, there's nothing for Jesus to just say, Kaluta kum. Get up, get up, my daughter, get up, little girl. Jesus come forth, or Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus' soul quickens into his body and he walks out of there. Though his dead had been, his body had been dead for days. They were concerned that Lazarus had started stinking. They're like, Lazarus is stinking. He's in the grave. He's been stinking there for days. He's stinking by now. He's like, don't worry about it. When his soul hits that body, it'll be like he had never died. So grandma can't be talking to you. Grandma's asleep. Uncle Buddy can't be talking to you. Uncle Buddy's asleep. And I know a lot of traditionally we always think, oh, grandma's watching over me. Grandma's asleep. Next time you see grandma will be when all of us are being raptured. So no, grandma's, grandma's asleep. Nana's asleep. Uncle Buddy's asleep. I have an Uncle Buddy. Uncle Buddy's asleep. My little brother at 22, he's asleep. And he'll wake up when the rest, unless the rapture comes in our lifetime, he'll, be, he'll wake up when the rest of us wake up. And it, to him, a thousand years could have passed, but it will seem like this. You ever go to sleep and you sleep for, you sleep that hard sleep when you got that drool coming down and, you know, and you wake up, you've been asleep for, seem like two days. And you wake up and it feels like it's been a second. We're going to go to sleep one day and they'll cry over us and they'll put us in the ground. And then they'll, they'll wake up and it'll be like just a second. So answer that question, Nana's asleep. Say, Nana's asleep. Nana's asleep. That's not Nana sending you in your dreams. Now, can God warn you in your dreams? Can God warn you? Who says no? Who says yes? Yes, everybody says yes. God can warn. We just read where God sent Pharaoh a warning in his dreams. <laughs> so yes, God can send you a dream and say, hey, I know you're getting married this Friday. Don't. <laughs> don't. I'm going to make it rain. Don't. Just don't do it. Don't do it. It's too soon. Right? So yeah, uh, God can absolutely warn you in your dreams. God can warn you when you're awake. So can, you, can God send you a warning in your dreams? Absolutely. Can God send you a person to warn you? Oh, absolutely. He'll do that all the time. So amen. So no, Nana's not coming in your dreams, but yes, God can send a person to, in the physical to warn you, and God can talk to you in your dreams. Amen? Such a good question. Can we give a, um, a round for whoever asked that question? All right. Um, I think AV team has some more questions for me. Uh, let's see. All right. You have some more questions for me. I'm, I'm scrolling through all of this feed, and there's just a ton of feed going on here. Amen. Now, we can't let... All right, I see you, AV team. We can't let, it's always a competition between who's going to ask the most questions in the house or online. So we're going to see. So far, online has been, has, has, has been winning. Um, Simone has been holding it down. I think she's competitive. She doesn't like to lose. And uh, amen. So a, uh, online has won so far as one, uh, it's one zero. Go ahead, AV team. 
Right, this question may have gotten answered, but the question is, the scripture is that we are asleep in the grave, and then the scripture that says to be absent in the, in the body is to be present with the Lord, is, does one scripture pertain to something else? No, no it doesn't. That scripture is Paul. Let me, let's pull it up. And there's actually a better scripture, um, not a better scripture, but another scripture that goes in talks about uh, instant damnation for some, but uh, but let's go with this one. Okay, but to be absent. So what Paul is talking about, he also says to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul is making a huge, huge, huge statement, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul is making a huge, huge statement here um, about, hey, I'm not worried about people killing me. I'm not worried about being murdered. I'm not worried about being destroyed. Um, you do your worst to me. As long as I have God, then I am good. All right. 2 Corinthians 5. Just say amen when you got it. All right. 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that if the earthly... I see you, AV team. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... What is he talking about? Our body. Uh-oh. Some, some hiding ready. Some good food is here. That means I have to talk faster. Um, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, talking about our body, we have a building from God. Now, is Paul the first one to say this? We talked about this first. My cabbage patch waiting on the answer. Who, talk, who, who said, hey, you destroy, you destroy this temple, you destroy this building, in three days I'll just build a new one. Who? Who said? Who said? God, one person says God. Who says? Who has another answer? Jesus. Jesus said that before he went to the cross. It was one of the reasons they crucified him, right? They called him Herod. They called it heresy. He said, yo, go ahead and tear this building, this temple down. I build a new one in three days. He was talking about his body. They thought he was talking about the synagogue. And he's like, in three days, it took... Years and years and years to build this temple. I see your AV team. Uh-oh, the, the online is, they're, they're competitive. He says, hey, so, so Paul isn't the first to say this. So Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from who? From God, an eternal house in where? Not built by Human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly what? Dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan. For while we're in this flesh, while we're in this body, we struggle with temptation. We struggle with pain. We struggle with hunger. We struggle with doing the right thing. We struggle with, with thoughts and, and, and a pull. And we're going to kind of talk about the Mayday, Mayday Challenge today, Mayday, Mayday, the one-word challenge. Um, 
I should have made a cool graphic for it. But anyway, but while we're in this tent, in this body, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. He's using beautiful speech to say we'd rather be in heaven with no pain and no suffering. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Our mortal life, our mortal body will be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, say God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We have a spirit. We're not just flesh. We're not just, you know, something without a soul. That when the body turns to dirt, everything like atheists believes, you just turn to dirt. I was talking to, um, we switched internet providers here. So we went from one to another. And the guy was here yesterday. I had to wait all day because the appointment was supposed to be 9 to 1. At 1.30, I'm calling them up. Where's the guy? And they were like, oh, he'll be there in an hour. The window was 9 to 1. It is now 9, 10, or 15. I've been here all day. And uh, the guy gets here like an hour, two hours later. And I was like, oh, man, because um, they had to call him to find out where he was. Like, hey, man, I was just, when I called, I was just curious um, because the thing says 9 to 1. And I showed him. He's like, oh, no, everything is 8 to 4. I'm like, what? So he comes and he's hooking up the Internet. And we begin to talk about Jesus, of course, because we want to live lives as a witness to Jesus. And as we're talking about Jesus, he says, well, you know, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't believe in any of it. You ever met somebody just like, I don't believe in any of it? Right? So, so we start talking. And, uh, and, and I let him do his business. And he, he ran, had to run wires through the back and all this other stuff. And, and I got him some cold water. And, hey, how you doing? I was real sweet and nice. And uh, once he finished up, he walked me through it all. And... We tested the speed and all this other stuff. And then we walk right up front and just say our goodbyes. And then I begin to talk to him about Jesus. And at first he was like, I don't believe any of it. I don't believe any of it. You know, I just, you know, God's people are just hypocrites. And I, and I said, okay, but what do you feel about God? And I think that kind of took him back. I said, listen, man, I'm a pastor, and I'll be the first to admit God's people are hypocrites. I don't like half of them. No. And, uh, but I told him, hey, man, I'll be the first to admit that God's people are hypocrites. And, I, and I'm not a big fan of a lot of God's people. They do stuff that's not in tune with God. But outside of that, what, what issues do you have with God? He was just like, I think it just kind of took him back. Because I was like, this is the only only reason you don't like God is because it's people? And I said, man, I, I can totally understand you. I say, think about Yale. When we think about Harvard and Yale, we think it's so prestigious, right? Because Harvard and Yale has a standard. And this is what I'm telling them right up front. Harvard and Yale has a standard. If you don't meet their standard of excellence, do you get in? No, they don't let you in. If you don't meet Harvard and Yale's standard of excellence, you don't get in. So, so Harvard and Yale have a great, and you know, uh, and people look at them incredibly. No one's looking at Harvard, and I think I used Harvard, not Yale. No one's looking at Harvard like, oh, they're not good enough. Everyone looks, they think of Harvard. They're like, oh, that's the best of the best, the cream of the crop. And the reason you do that, because they reject everyone who doesn't meet their standards. 
So when you think about Harvard, you think about excellence because they only accept excellence. And I told him, I can understand how you could have an issue with God because God doesn't, doesn't make us jump through hoops. God doesn't say you have to be excellent to come. God says, I, I want the broken. I want the prostitutes. I want the, the sinners and the fornicators and the liars and, and the divorcees and, and, the, and the drunks and the, the people that are bitter, the people that can't let go, the people that don't walk holy. I want them all. I can understand how you can look at God's people and go, oh, I don't want that God. Because you look at his people. But I'll tell you one thing, I want that God. Because if I had to jump and meet a standard, I would have never made it. And it's only because of his love and grace I can stand here before you right now. Not because I lived this perfect life. I've kind of shared my testimony. I grew up in the hood. I was shooting guns at 10 years old and selling drugs before you could blink. I grew up crazy. I grew up in the ghetto. Grew up in the hood. And I was a typical hood person. Well, not typical because I was still smart. I was, I was on a roll in the daytime and minor drug dealer at night. I didn't meet God's standard. I remember walking into a uh, church, Pentecostal church, when I was like 18 getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And I still wasn't perfect. <laughs> I just had started my journey. God began to teach me how to live holy and to speak holy and to think holy. And that's kind of what the Mayday Challenge is going to be about. Don't let me forget to talk to you about it. So I'm telling them, my friend, I was like, man, I get it. If God was like Harvard, everybody would respect him because all of the people would be great. God didn't like Harvard. God is more like community college. <laughs> Just apply and you get in. And I think it started to mess with them. And I was like, that's the reason you and I can come to him. Because he loves us and he takes us from where we are. And the longer we walk with him, the better we get. And the, and the more we get it right and we trip and we stumble, but the more we walk, the, the more we get it right. And I pray that I planted a seed with them. And uh, that he, he began to see that it's because of God's love that he accepts everybody. Jesus, they got, they, and that's not the first time everybody, anybody said that. They said that to Jesus. They told that to his disciples. If your rabbi is so all of this and all that, and, and he's the Messiah, then doesn't he know who's touching him? Doesn't he know who he's eating with? And Jesus got on to him. Jesus says, you, you got mad at John. He didn't drink wine. And he, and he, and he uh, was, did, didn't accept bribes, didn't drink wine, was, you know, out there with locusts and wild honey, and you called him a, basically a lunatic. Uh, 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 you know, isolating himself. I'm here drinking wine and socializing, and you, you call me a drunk, a wine bibber. So, Yeah. So to, to answer that question, <laughs> asking about, uh, so this is, this is Paul. So Jesus says he could tear down the building and rebuild it. Paul says you can do the same. And, and long story short, Paul is saying, listen, because remember, they beat Paul, they jailed Paul, they eventually want to murder Paul and kill Paul. And he says, listen, don't worry about killing my body. I have a new body in heaven. So long story short, that is what Paul is referring to here in 2 Corinthians. Amen. Hopefully that answers the question.
Um, I kind of went on a rabbit trail there, but I came, I, I came on back. I came on back. Amen. Sometimes the rabbit trails are the best trails, especially if you're from the South and you eat rabbits. Amen. All right. Uh, AV team. Okay, we have a question. Uh-oh. Uh, where's the mics? Where's, where's the mic person? Where's the mic person? Run of the mic. I, I was about to uh, rap some old rap songs that talk about the mics, but they're not Christian songs. So. That's what I told you I wasn't always saved, man. Come on. Remember, remember all them Run DMC songs? Oh, right here to Miss Angela. I've always wanted to know the answer to this question, so I'm going to ask it the best way that I wrote it down. Why the chicken crossed the road? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> um, is it possible that you can encounter a demonic spirit in an individual, and how do you handle it if it's so powerful that you feel it draining you and nobody believes you when you tell them about it? Wow. That is a good question. So that's really like three questions. <laughs> like boom, bing, bing, bing. Um, so that's really like three questions. So it is, uh, what do you do? I guess, well, one is, can you discern a demonic spirit in someone else? Two, if you discern a demonic spirit in someone else and can't cast it out, what do you do? So one, can you discern a demonic spirit in someone else? Two, can you discern a demonic spirit in some? What do you do if you discern a demonic spirit in someone and can't cast it out? Two, and three, um, what do you do if you, do, you discern a demonic spirit in someone else, uh, can't cast it out, and no one believes you, and it's draining you? So can you discern a demonic spirit in someone else? I, I think a lot of us know the answer. What, who says yes? Who says no? All right. So we got, we got a, a split crowd. Open your Bibles to, don't y'all love the fact that we're actually a church that goes to the Bible for answers and doesn't just make stuff up? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I've, been, I've, I've seen enough made up stuff that I actually appreciate the Bible. <laughs> they told me if I jumped off a two-story building, I'd land on a Lexus. I'm like, okay, you know what? You need to just read your word. All right, go to, <laughs> go to Luke 9. Luke 9 and Matthew 10, 8. Luke 9, Matthew 10, 8. All right, Luke 9. You guys read that off the screen for me. Bam, so Jesus, back it up. Beep, beep, beep. All right. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them the power and authority to do what? Drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Are there 12 disciples still alive? They'd be about 2,050. 
uh, maybe actually a little older, probably about 2,110, but no. So who does this charge go to now? To, who says us? How, does it, how do we know that it goes to us? Because we are the disciples. How do we know that we are the disciples? Because God gave us the power and authority. Where in the Bible does it say this? Well, Luke 9, he gives it to the 12, amen. Um, but, but where is it? We talk about it all. We want to be what level disciples? Level three disciples. Level one is what? Believe and be baptized. Level two, abstain from sin. Level three, evangelize. We know that level three disciples make it into heaven. We want to be people that are active in our faith like the 11 was, like Jesus was. There's no such thing as a dormant believer. It does not exist. You won't find a single example of someone that is a believer in Jesus that kept quiet and wasn't active in their faith. It doesn't exist. Because if you truly believe that God called us to evangelize, there's no way you can believe that and not do it. So it means that you believe that you can make it in without doing what God has told you. Um, so there's no such thing. It's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. <clears throat> Matthew 28 we talk about it all the time, Mark 16 and Matthew 28. Go out into how many nations? All nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's the name of the Father? Yahweh. How do we know his name is Yahweh? Because <clears throat> he told it to Moses this is in Exodus. What's the name of the Son? Crickets, crickets. What's the name of God's Son? What's the name of Yahweh's Son? Jesus, Yeshua, and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28. That is the, the charge that passes Luke 9 in just his 12 on to all of us. He didn't want his message to die just with the 12. He's passed it on to everyone. And you see all, all peoples. You see everyone from uh, Priscilla and Aquila to Barnabas um, to Paul himself, because Paul wasn't one of the original 12 Apostles or disciples, amen. You see them replace Judas when he kills himself, amen. So some independent study for you to go back and read Matthew uh, and read those scriptures, amen. So yes, first part, of, can we discern demons? Yes. Do we have the authority to cast out demons? Yes, how do we know? Because we're disciples. <laughs> we're disciples. Is it only for pastors? Do pastors have special uh, Jesus mojo? People think this. People think that, like, after church, that pastors just go into their offices and just, like, levitate. You know, they're like, mm. Like, no. We get hungry. We drink Gatorade. We fast. We do everything that everyone else does. There's no difference. Well, judgment's different. We judge harshly. But other than that, there's no difference. So no, all pastors are just disciples. Evangelists are just disciples. Ushers are just disciples. Outreach team, just disciples. Amen? Just disciples. So yes, disciples can cast out demons. So can all disciples cast out all demons? No, why not? 
Could Jesus' 12 disciples cast out all demons? All right, let's take a look. It's in a book, Reading Rainbow. I can't. All right, you had to be, you had to be real old <laughs> to remember that song. <laughs> you thought, no, everybody was like, we can't sing along. Don't sing along. Don't sing along. <laughs> right, we're going to turn to... Let's go to Matthew 17, and we can start at verse 15. Could have went to Mark, but we'll start at Matthew 17, and we'll start at verse 15. All right, Matthew 17, and we'll make sure we're in the right version. I'm looking for it right now. The NIV. NIV. Two points. Who knows what NIV stands for? Quick. Up. All right. What's the I? All right. V. All right. We got I and the V. What's the N? What? Jamelia got it. New. New international version. Amen. We're just going to have some Bible trivia. Blah, boom, boom, boom. Hmm? The King's James. That's what you read? The King James Version? Well, thou hither readeth well. All right. King James verse. Uh, joke. All right. Verse 15. Lord, have mercy on my son. Boom, they got it up. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not what? They could not heal him. Red, who is this talking? You unbelieving and perverse generation. Ooh, Jesus just came for you. That's why you got to know how to take correction. If you cannot grow, if you cannot take correction, you cannot grow. You cannot take correction. You need to be able to be corrected. And sometimes you're not corrected with a hug. Come on, somebody. You don't believe in a perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here. <laughs> you can hear the bass of Jesus' voice. You unbelieving in a perverse generation. Go get, where, where you at? Little James, bring, bring the boy. So Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private because they weren't about to ask in front of all the people. They're like, hey, uh, hey, Zeus, listen, why couldn't, we, why couldn't we cast that demon out? Right? And he replied, because you have so what? Woo. A lot of time your blessing is based on your measure of faith. God said he'd bless you, but the measure is up to you. Little faith. Little blessing, medium faith, medium blessing, big faith, big blessing. Y'all know how, how I got my wife. The first lady is all that in a bag of chips. And I mean, I'm talking Dominitas. I'm not talking about the off-brand stuff at the back of H-E-B. But I had to step out on faith. They did a call at the church I was going to for sow a seed for a miracle. 
And I took pretty much all the money I had, and I sowed a seed. And I think on the back of the envelope, I said, I'm sowing a seed for a wife. Tired of being single. Left side of my bed getting cold. And I was able to find my wife. And, and the way I found her is incredible, because I didn't find her. God found her and sent her to me. I was the chaplain at Haven for Hope, uh, volunteering. We got kicked out of the place for proclaiming Jesus and casting out devils, but that's another story. I'll tell you that privately. And um, she was singing in a group called a worship gathering. And we uh, wanted like my spiritual sons. And I said, listen, man, come and uh, sing here at the Haven for Hope. We're about to cast out some demons. We're about to deliver some people off of drugs. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And uh, she happened to be part of his singing group. I wasn't worried about her at the time. I was worried about preaching the gospel of Jesus. But then he says, hey, man, I need some marketing done. We want to blow worship gathering. We want to blow this group up. So I say, man, come on. I just bought a house. I say, man, come to my house. And they came, and she came with them. Didn't holler at her then. Wasn't thinking about it. Worried about serving God. Then uh, I... I owned a little property. I put a recording studio on there because I've done music for 20, 30 years. I have so much music out there in the world right now. It's not even funny. Not all of it's good. <laughs> uh, when I got in the music business, I was still back in my, my, my BS days before salvation. And, uh, but I opened up a studio, and I'm just doing Christian music. Once again, on fire for God. And her best friend was a singer. So she'd be at the studio every day. She'd be bringing people to the studio, right? So we, so me and her best, me and her best friend became real close friends. And I don't remember if something happened. Oh yeah, and then she was in some Christian plays, in some some uh, Christian plays. So um, I ended up going to see her at the. Well, I went to go see the Christian play, but she was there. And. Uh, you know, I looked at her best friend, who was also my friend, and I said, hey, man, I know that we have a mutual friend. And, uh, you know, her eyes sparkle. That's the old King, uh, talking about the King James, that's the old King James reference to uh, Rachel and Leah, to, to Rachel, when Joseph saw her, uh, when Jacob saw her. So, and I was like, hey, man, hook me up. You ever try to get your friend to hook you up with another friend? Anybody ever do that? Yeah, that was, that was unsuccessful. Uh, but eventually, it, it all happened. But I sowed a seed, and I was just faithful to God, and God answered it. So, going back to the scripture, can y'all pull that scripture back up? You don't believe in the first generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall? All right, next. Bring the boy. Jesus rebuked the demon. Next. Uh, Jesus replied to them, came in private, because you have little faith. There we go. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. They will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. So the measure of your faith determines the measure of your miracle. Can you discern a demon? Absolutely. Pray and spend time in your word. You'll be able to discern it. You'll be able to cast the bulk of them out, and anyone you can't cast out, just pray that that person gets delivered. He says some come out with prayer and fasting. Some come out when you increase your faith. Now, mind you, 
Even if you can't cast it out, can it hurt you? No. No one can put a hex on you. No one can, no demon can. I've heard that. I've had people say, Pastor, uh, my ex-girlfriend got some chicken feet and dust out the yard and put a hex on me. I was like, man, is that easy? Can you put a a hex on the IRS? Because I need them to go away. No, it's foolishness. They cannot put a hex on you. What God has blessed, let's go to Balaam and Balak. Let me show it to you. Let me not tell it to you. Let me show it to you. Go to uh, for those that are doing the uh, on rooted. You probably have already read this, so you probably know where I'm going. Let's go to Numbers. Ooh. Ooh. Numbers 23. Numbers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll work. What number? That was a joke. So y'all didn't even get it. Y'all didn't even get it. <laughs> Numbers 23. So you can't, once you decide to, see, you can, you can be under demonic control when you're outside of the house of God because you have no spiritual covering. But once you come under the spiritual covering, you, you're, you're, you, you can't be manipulated by the demonic. You can't be um, cursed. You can't, it, it just doesn't exist. Number 23, for those that are in the presence walking with God. That's why we have to stay in the presence of God, abstain from sin, so we're not inviting demonic spirits in, because demonic spirits love sin. So when we abstain, level two, level one, believe and be baptized. That's the old person dies, the new person is up. We abstain from sin, not giving any entry point to the demonic. And number three, we just, we live as disciples. And if we fall, we repent, which means turns away from, not ask forgiveness for, but turn away from. It's good to ask forgiveness for it too, but turn away from it and keep down the righteous path. Verse one. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said, right? So Balak did as what? Balaam said, because Balak has, you know what? Let's, Let's back it up to Numbers 22. Go to Numbers 22. Because I want you to get this whole thing. And then we'll we'll jump back there. So just turn one page over. Numbers 22, verse. 4B. 4B. So Balak, son of what? Zipper. So Balak, son of Zipper, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon who? Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pathor near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak, Balak the king, said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is what? And whoever you curse is what? Balaam is a powerful man. 
If you go back and read Numbers, when Balaam blesses somebody, they are blessed. When Balaam curses somebody, they are cursed. He is a powerful man. So the elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer that the Lord, all caps, that word is what? That Yahweh gives me. So the Moabite officials stayed with him. All right, now bounce over to, to 23. I just wanted you to know what's going on. So Balak is hiring Balaam to do what? To curse his enemies. Can Balaam do it? Well, he's one of the most powerful people, anointed by God himself. When Balaam curses someone, it just tells you. When they, he curses them, they're cursed. When he blesses them, they're what? So let's see what happens. Verse 1, Balaam said, build me seven. So, so they've made an a, a arrangement. Balak said, listen, I'm going to break you out 500 Gs. I need you to do this. Ba Balaam said, because at first Balaam said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Because he's asking them to curse Israel. Israel. So Balak, the people that Balak said is, is so numerous and too powerful, is the nation of Israel. So Balak has hired Balaam to curse Israel, God's chosen people. And Balak said, nah, man, I'm not going to do it. And he says, all right, I'll give you 250000 Nah, man, I'm not going to do it. I'll give you 350000 Nah, man, nah, man, I can't do it. That's God's chosen people. I'll give you half of me. All right, man, let's um, bet. You know what I'm saying, right? So this is where we are. So they've made the agreement. And he said, listen, Balaam said, build me seven altars. So now Balaam is like, all right, we're going to curse him good. We're going to curse him. All right, Balak, I got this. We're about to curse him. Build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said. And the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps Yahweh will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. God met with Balaam because Balaam is God's chosen man. God met with Balaam. Said, I have prepared, and, and, and Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars on each altar. I have offered a bull and a ram. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm making sacrifices. I'm, doing, I'm doing, doing everything I normally do. You know, hey, I need you to curse the Israelites. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this word. So God has told Balaam is, is God's prophet. Balaam didn't want to curse the Israelites because he knows those are God's chosen people. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are God's chosen people. Right? So Balaam says, all right, I did all of the stuff I normally do, God. And I, and I want to curse these people. Tell me what to say. So God tells Balaam what to say. So now Balaam goes back to King Balak and says, all right, King, listen. So, so Balak brought me from Amram, the king of Moab, from eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob from me. Come denounce Israel. And this is what he tells them. Are y'all with me? Verse 8. How can I what? How can I curse those whom God has not what? How can I denounce those whom Yahweh has not? From the rocky peaks I see them, and from the heights I view them, I see a people who live apart. What does anointed mean? Apart. Who live apart. We are apart of people. We are God's people set apart from the rest of the world. And do not consider themselves one of the nations. We're not like the rest of the world. We're our own. That's why believers have to come together. We're our own nation. Right here, expanse nation. Jesus nation. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. And may my final end be like theirs. 
Balak said to Balaam, what on earth have you just did? What on earth did you just do? I asked you to curse these people, and you're saying they're going to be numerous, numerous, and they're going to be righteous, and they're going to be, but you, what are you doing? Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing less but what? But bless them. No demon can touch you when you serve Jesus. They can't curse. No demon can curse what God has blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Say, I'll say it like you mean it. Say, I'm blessed. Demons can't curse what God has blessed. Once you came out of that water, it says the old you what? Died. The person that could be cursed, the person that could be manipulated, the person that the demons could just have their way with, the person that, that, that person is dead. This new person is God's chosen. And no demon in hell can curse what God is what? So you have the power to cast out demons. And even if your faith isn't so to cast them out, they still can't mess with you. Because not even Balaam can curse what God is what? Has blessed. And you are what? And I am what? And the believers of Jesus are what? Come on, somebody. Y'all preaching now. Let me give y'all the mic. Amen. Does that answer the question? Amen. Next question, real quickly. Let's keep them rolling. My food is getting cool. No, somebody said LeVar Burton. <laughs> How can you know for sure that something that you want to do, for example, creating a business, is what God wants you to do? Who has, who's ever had that question? Like, God, I want to do this, but I need to make sure that you want me to do this. Amen? We talk about it all the time. Don't, don't drag God into your ambitions. <laughs> right? God says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I have a plan, which means when I birth you in the earth, because you weren't birthed because mama looked at daddy and daddy looked at mama, you were birthed because God had a plan for you and put you in the earth. And a lot of times we're not seeking God's plans. We're saying, hey, I, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. And God, I just want you to come with I'm going to drag you along with me because I need you to bless all of this garbage that I'm planning to do. I want to be a banker, and I want to be a CEO, and I want to get a doctorate degree, and I want to. And God is like, I just wanted you to go to Malaysia and preach the gospel. Yeah, forget that. I want you know, right? You know, we just, we just, or maybe God is saying, hey, I want you to be a CEO of a business. And you're like, oh, I don't want that responsibility. So, yeah, how do we know that we're following God's path and not our own path? What's the best, what's, what's the best way? Who, somebody said it. What's the, what's the, what, just yell it out to me. What's the best way? Pray. Pray. Anyone ever prayed and had God send them an answer? Let me ask you this. Raised by raise of hands, who's taking a prayer course on ebcfaith.com? Come on. Amen. Let's clap for them. Coming up to par eight. That was the golf clap. Tiger Woods. He just birdied the ninth hole. <laughs> hey, man, take the prayer course, because the prayer course is going to teach you how to do what? Pray. You want to know? Pray. Seek God's face, which means pray. Be in God's house. That means presence. Get in God's word. That means power. So when you mix prayer with presence, with power, whoo, God will start to answer you. You'll be able to hear God's voice because the conversation is two ways. You pray, and then his word comes and answers you. You pray, 
being in his presence, something happens. Prayer. Say prayer. Presence. Power. Amen. Go ahead, AV team. Next question. My, my, my slices and sticks are getting cold. How do you know when God sends you the right helpmate? Ooh, who's ever wondered that? Oh, I could tell y'all some stories. I could tell y'all some stories being in church long enough to see a few things. You know, some guy walks up to, to uh, uh, a girl and be like, and it is working both ways, but like, the Lord told me that you my wife. Like, oh, no, I don't think that was the Lord. <laughs> and then, then women going up to, to married men, talking about, I believe the Lord told me that you're supposed to be my husband, Harpo. No, then she ain't tell you that. The Lord ain't tell you that. That's, that's your desire, that's your lust, that's your flesh, but the Lord didn't tell you that. So how do you know um, if the one is the one? So let's, let's, ask, let's ask this question. Is there a such thing as the one? No. No such thing as the one. We've kind of talked about that. There's no such thing as the one because if there was a such thing as the one, the minute the one married someone else that wasn't you, that's the wrong one. And then that means that the, peop- the person that that person should have married married somebody else, the person that that person married married somebody else, the person that those six people married. Mar- so, I, you know, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, the minute one person married the wrong person, the whole world would have been thrown into chaos. Nobody now can ever marry the right person. <laughs> No, there's no such thing as the one. And God never tells you, I will send you the one. No such scripture. But instead, what does God give us? Criteria. We're supposed to be on fire for Jesus, yes or no? Yes. The person we marry should be equally what? They should be also on fire for Jesus. Right? Proverbs 31 says a man should look for a woman that has some business acumen, that she considers a field and buy it, that knows how to take care of children. It says that her children don't worry about anything. They're not worried about the wintertime. She's not out at the casino, and her children are at home hungry. I've known women like that. Had to pray for them. Some have been in my own family. So she's good with children. She's good with money. It says the people in the, um, and you can, you can just go ahead and open up Proverbs 31 and just fact check me. It says the people in the streets speak well of her husband. I mean, when her husband goes in the streets, no one's laughing and going, oh, that's, oh, that's such and such husband. <laughs> no, they say they speak well of her husband because she's in the streets doing great things, promoting him, talking him up, living an, in, an integral life. Your husband should never be ashamed of your behavior. He should have a good name in the streets. So God doesn't say this is the one. He says the one looks like this. The one as in the one you choose should look like this. Ladies, it goes the same way. Just like there's Proverbs 31, there's the Song of Solomon. There's the, the message that Bathsheba left uh, uh, for what a good man should do, telling her, her son, Solomon, this is what a good man should do. This man should be a provider. Before Adam had a wife, he had a what? He had a job. Before God gave Adam Eve, he gave him a job. He said, listen, I need you to go name everything here. He looked at him, gave him a job. That's how you need to be a provider. As a matter of fact, the Bible says a man, doesn't say a woman, doesn't say a them or a they. It says a man that can't take care of his child is worse than an infidel. That's a heretic. 
So there's criteria for men being providers, men being lovers, loving their family, but also romantically. Says you can't withhold romance, and y'all know what I mean, y'all adults, from your spouse. Men can't do that, and it says women can't do it either, but it tells men, hey, you can't use that as a weapon. And it starts giving criteria to what a man should look like. He should be a provider. He should be good to be providing for his kids. He should love his wife. His wife should blossom and flourish under his, under his tutelage. And when you have a good man, the woman that that man is connected to blossoms. Blossoms. Because he's not trying to trample her down. He's trying to elevate her. Amen. So there's no one, but there is a criteria. And I'll tell you this. Once you hold the criteria up, 99% of the people that you're attracted to won't make the criteria. The Lord just saved you from a baby by this one, HIV by that one, 10 wasted years with this one. Through trial and error, he just saved you half your life of trial and error. Because when we hold them up, a lot of them just don't filter out. But then what happens when there's a person that does filter out? You get to choose whether you want to be with them. Amen? Hopefully that answers the question. Next question, AV team. Online is killing it right now. And of course, in the house, you can ask any question. Just raise your hands, and our lovely mic person will bring you the mic. How does God feel about people who have attempted suicide but survived before they were born again? How does God feel about people who attempted suicide? I'm hearing an old song I wrote, my goodness, 20 odd years ago. Um, how does God feel about suicide um, or a person that tried to commit suicide and lived before they were saved? So the first thing is, are they saved now? <laughs> so whoever you are, um, my question is, is that person saved now? And if it's you, are you saved now? Um, and I can go deeper into the question. But let me ask you guys and ask everybody watching online, um, how does God feel about a person that committed suicide, but survived. They didn't die. All right, I'll see you, AV team. Um, ask them if you're watching, uh, or just answer me, um, is this person saved now? Or maybe it's a hypothetical question. I don't know. But suicide is suicide of sin. Who says no? Who says yes? Suicide is a sin. What sin is Suicide. Murder! If you commit suicide, did you take a life? When you take someone's life, it's called what? Murder. Attempted murder is still a sin, whether you attempted murdered yourself or attempted murdered someone else. So how does God feel about sin? He hates it. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is what? Is death. Is the Lord talking about the first death or the second death? The second death. Separation from him, going to hell. That's what he's talking about. The wages of sin is death. He's not just talking about a physical death because whether you're a righteous person or a sinful person, you physically die. We talked about this earlier. The first death is natural. The second death is spiritual, being cast into hell, separated from God for eternity. So how does God feel about murder, suicide? 
Well, I'm going to say, for one, whoever that is needs to be shouting and praising God that they survived. Amen. So how does God feel about suicide? The same way he feels about any other sin. Same way he feels about homosexuality. Same way he feels about fornication, sex before marriage. Same way he feels about lying or cheating or cheating on your taxes or any other sin. He hates it. Wages of sin or death. And he calls us to Matthew 28 to believe in Jesus, to be baptized, to abstain from sin, which means to turn away from sin and to evangelize. He calls us into a loving relationship of discipleship where he disciples us and teaches us how to walk right and that where uh, we disciple others. Amen? Amen. We got a question over here. Okay, go ahead. Where, where's my mic girl? Shake. <laughs> Mama's like, get up now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. So the question is, give her a hand for that question. That's a good question. So the question, so, so the question is, will God forgive someone who tried to commit suicide? Who says no? Who says yes? That's it. It's just regular sin. So that's where I was going. Stop jumping ahead of me, Jamelia. Just... See, she just, good gracious. But it's just regular sin. That's where I was going. That's why I was asking um, to say, is the person saved what? Now. Because if they're not saved now, then the suicide is just a sin among all of the other sins that they're committing. I wouldn't worry about one. One sin doesn't necessarily weigh heavier than another sin. It's all sin, and we all need to repent from it and walk in righteousness and holiness. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and it's what? Righteousness. He says, I'll take care of everything else. Just seek to be righteous. Seek to be holy. Seek to be on fire for me. So, yes, God will forgive attempted suicide. God will forgive any sin, but he doesn't want us to live in sin. He wants sin to be in our rear view. So, yes, uh, great question. Uh, God will forgive sin. Suicide is not. People think that people, only humans, only we waste sin, and it's the most ridiculous thing. Oh, suicide is a big sin. Gay is a big sin. Adultery is a big sin. It's funny, every sin is a big sin but the one we're doing. You ever notice that? Everybody, every sin is a big sin. You lying and you hadn't told the truth in eight years, but your sin is, is fine because you're not gay. And the gay person's like, well, at least I love people. And I love people. I'm not judgmental, but you're gay. And the adulterer is like, well, you know, I take care of my kids, but you're an adulterer. It's funny, all the every sin is huge except the one that you're doing. <laughs> God doesn't see it that way. All sin is sin, man. And when we begin to choose God and chase after God, it's all washed under the blood of Jesus because he wants us to turn away from all of it. No big sin and little sin. There's righteousness and unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. Great question. Come on, let's clap for that question. Tiger Woods comes to the fourth. All right, so amen. AV team, anything else? If a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. So why do, why do women have to work? The Bible only says man, right? <laughs> that, that's a good question. If a, if a man doesn't work, uh, he shouldn't eat. Let's, let's go to that scripture. That's a, that's a funny question. I don't know if that's, that's being asked seriously or if that's being asked as a joke. Um, 
But either way, I'm going to answer it because you asked it. Amen. But that's funny. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. Amen. Thessalonians is written to who? The people of Thessalonica. Just like if there was a book of Americans, it would be written to America. The book of Romans is written to Rome. All right, let's start at verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and what? Sisters, to keep away from every believer who is what? Idle. So they are a believer, but they're just what? They're just lazy and disruptive and does not live according to the what? You ever met a Christian that didn't live like Christ? Yeah, he's talking about him. All right, that's the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know you ought to follow our what? We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and what? Laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you, which means we had a job. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to what? Imitate. But even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is willing to work, who is unwilling to work, shall not what? The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Is he talking about men or women, or is he talking about lazy and unlazy? Because he addresses it to brothers in what? So, yeah. So, good question. Um, So, I don't know if a woman asked it saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not trying to work. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm still trying to eat. Or oh, if a man asked it and like, I don't want to feed my wife because she, she, don't, she don't work. Um, so no, this is not a question of male or female. It's a question of not being lazy and working and carrying your way. Amen? Any other questions in the house or online? We're good online. Any questions in the house? Amen. All right, well, stand with me. Was this a good forum, amen, or what? Come on, make some noise. All the forms are good. You guys' questions are always incredible. Amen? No one's asked for the pick six yet. I don't know why. Can I get the, what, what is, can you tarry and ask the Lord for the Powerball numbers? <laughs> oh, amen, amen. Mayday, mayday, the one word challenge. It is now April, but it soon will be what? Soon will be May. And uh, we're going to do the May Day Challenge, the one word challenge. So for the month of May, you might want to write this down. For the month of May, it's going to be May Day. May Day, we're going to be sending a a siren up to the heavens. Because remember, those with little faith get little what? Blessings, little miracles. And if you have medium faith, you get what? And if you have big faith, you get what? Come on, do we want little miracles or we want big miracles? Come on, I want a big miracles. In May, we're going to get some big miracles. 
Amen. The Mayday Mayday Challenge, the one-word challenge. So this is what we're going to do for the month of May. The, the Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul, and what goes into the eyes gets into the what? Into the soul. So for, for May, we're only going to watch things that blesses us because we want a big blessing in May. We're only going to watch things that bless us. What, what, what does that mean? That means if it's not about Jesus in May, we're not going to watch it. Amen? So I know you, the Super Mario Brothers came out. Catch it before May 1st. Get all your movie watch, binge watch. Just, just invite your friends over and binge watch before May. Amen? Because in May, we want a what blessing? A big blessing. So we're not going to watch anything that would hinder our blessing. Amen? So, so start watching. I always talk about The Chosen, but that's only two seasons. You might have just watched that over, over and over. The Chosen. Actually, there's an angel app where every, all the Christian movies and stuff are free. And there's not a lot of movies on there. There's like three. But they're good. They're good. I've watched them. The Testament is incredible. Uh, the Chosen on there is incredible. Amen. Um, cancel your Netflix. That's devil flicks. They're demonic. They've proven to be demonic. Seriously. Um, cancel them and get pure flicks. And may watch the Christian movies that are on pure flicks. If you have Amazon Prime, there's Christian movies on Amazon Prime. Uh, matter of fact, a, a Bag Full of Hope is on there, which is one of the best Christian movies ever. A box, a box of hope? A bag of hope? A box of hope, because it's the little girl with, the, with her uh, traveling bag. Incredible movie. So some of the greatest movies you'll see is on Amazon Prime. So for those that have Amazon Prime, Christian movies, pure flicks, download the Angel app, watch for free, Up Faith and Family, amen? And we have a movie night. Is that this Friday? This Saturday is movie night. At what time? At 7. At 7, we'll be watching movies um, right here. Um, so maybe for the month of May, we'll just meet up every Saturday and watch a movie. Who, who wants to do that? Amen. All right. All right. Outreach team, what do y'all think? Amen. So y'all guys are going to be in charge. So y'all need to get with me. Y'all be unlocking the doors and opening up and setting up. So y'all need to know how to run AV. And um, this is going to be y'all part of the outreach team's deal. Okay. So for the month of May on Saturdays, we'll, they'll come and open up and we'll have a Christian movie on the screen. But Mayday, Mayday, the one word challenge, we only want to watch things. We want to feed ourselves because the eyes are the windows to the what? To the soul. We don't want to put anything in our soul that's going to block our blessing. Amen? Can we do that? Amen. That's only part one of, of the challenge. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. All right. So the eyes are the windows to the soul. What are the ears? The gateways, the, we call them doors, the gateways, right? So what are we going to listen to? Christian music, Air One. Who, who listens to Air One? Uh, Kate Love and Air One. So we're the gate, so we got the windows to the soul. We don't want anything to block our blessing. We got the, the gateways to our soul, what we hear. So we're going to listen to Air One and Kate Love. So you got to um, turn off uh, little uh, Tunchi Boo Boo the Fool and the Four Amigos and all, all of the, the pop and 
Taylor Slow. Amen. And swiftly get to Jesus. That's where we're going for May. <laughs> so the eyes are the what to the soul? The windows. And in May Day, May Day, the one word challenge, because with the one word, the word of God, we're going to be watching what? Only Christian movies. If you have little kids, what are they watching? Veggie Tales, Christian cartoons. If you have teenagers, they're watching what? A box of faith, Christian movies right along with you. You got to be like Joshua. Joshua said, as far as me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Why did he say that? Because in Israel, they went to battle. It was probably a half a million of them. One dude broke the law, and all of them suffered the punishment. All of them. You go, it's a half a million of us. One person got in trouble? Yeah. Military people know that. One person in your unit get in trouble? Everybody going down. Because what are they teaching you? You need to operate as what? As a team, as one. That's right. You live in my house, you're going to serve the Lord. The minute you don't, you don't want to serve the Lord anymore, let's start looking for you an apartment. <laughs> I'm only 12. You can get an apartment. Sign your emancipation papers. Boop. No, I'm just kidding. Love you, kids. Amen. But we're going to watch what? We're going to listen to what? Because we want our soul to be full of what? The one word. The word of God. We want our soul to be full of the word of God. And the word of God didn't always love. It says we should have some righteous anger sometimes. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that y'all should be angry at sometimes? Righteous anger, yeah. <laughs> That's the key word, righteous anger. Amen, righteous anger. Didn't Jesus go in the temple and kick over tables? Come on, somebody. Certain things we shouldn't tolerate in our house. Certain things we shouldn't tolerate around us. Amen. Because if we don't have a standard, then we'll just be doormats. We'll, we'll let hell be all around us because we don't have a standard of righteousness. So, yeah, he says sometimes we have righteous anger. Sometimes we're like, nope, you're not going to listen to that in my house. You're not going to watch that in my house. This is a house of the Lord. Amen. So we're going to watch. We got some three part. We're going to watch Christian because we want we want to saturate our soul with holiness. What you're going to find out is by the end of May, a lot of the demons you've been fighting with are dead. And you're going to see God open up miracles in your life. Because every time you watch something, you're pouring that demonic in. And you're listening to that demonic, pouring it in. And you wonder why things aren't right and why I can't just get over the hump. Because you're living in the hump. So we're going to watch and watch God do a miracle. We're going to watch holy. We're going to listen holy. This is the last thing. You thought those were big. Those are small compared to this one. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? So we're going to watch holy. We're going to what? And the last one, who knows the last one? We're going to speak holy. Prayerfully, we're already acting holy. But sometimes the right person cuts us off in traffic. Those words aren't holy. Sometimes people get on your last nerve, and uh, them, them, that's not holy. Amen. But you know what you're going to find out? It's going to get easier and easier. Week two, three, four, you're going to be so used to watching holy and hearing holy that naturally your speech is going to become holy. Amen. 
you're going to respond to things differently. Things you get angry about, you'll pray about. Things you'd yell about, you'll, you'll pray about. Things you'd, you'd never repent about, you'll repent about. People that you'd just be stubborn with, you'll go and say, you know what, I apologize. Time with the Lord will change that. And I'm no different. I got onto the world's greatest minister today, and I had to go back and tell him I apologize because I was wrong. I'm not above error. Amen? None of us are above error, but we've got to know how to go back and say, you know what, I apologize. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Let's, let's try that together. Say, I apologize. I was wrong. Oh, no one's dead. It didn't kill us. Amen? We didn't die because we were wrong. Amen? All right. So we're going to watch holy. We're going to do what? Listen holy. And we're going to do what? Amen. And we're going to just watch, watch our what? Blessing come down from heaven. Amen? Give yourselves a round. Come on, somebody. Mayday, mayday. Mayday, mayday, the one-word challenge. And then starting this Saturday, right, we have uh, 7 o'clock. We have movies. And we're going to be in here? Okay, we'll be in here. So we'll, we'll have the screen here. And if you want to look backwards, you'll have the screen back there too. And we're like, oh, there's a screen back there? Amen. Lord God, raise your right hand. No, someone had a question? Yes, thank you. That's why I love Jamelia. All right, so let's still pray. Lord God, thank you. Hold up your right hand. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your, your presence, Lord God. We just ask everyone be content, Lord God. Let the food still be hot in the back, Father. And let us walk into our Mayday, Mayday challenge where we're saying, Mayday, Father, we want more of you. Mayday, we want to get to the next level. Mayday, Mayday, we want to grow in you. We want one word in us, not the word of uh, the curses of Balaam, the intentions of Balak. We want one word in us, and that is the word of God through what we watch, through what we hear, and through what we speak in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I was just going to do an altar call, but first we need to do tithes and offering as the amazing Jamelia said. Amen. Throw me up some tithes and offering music. Amen. All right, so you can make your checks payable to Expands Bible Church. You can cash up dollar sign EBC Faith. You can text the word give to 210-903-9500, or you can go to ebcfaith.com forward slash give. Giving is one of the most important things you could ever do as a Christian. I would never, I'm like Jamelia, I never, I just told you, I, I sowed a seed for my wife before I bought my first house. I sowed a seed. I was living in an apartment, and I sowed a seed, and I ended up buying a, a fourplex, not even a duplex, a duplex times two, a fourplex. And I didn't even live in it. I rented it out. And then went and bought a house with the money I was making off the fourplex. And that wasn't because I was some business genius. It was because I knew the, the importance of sowing my seed. You didn't have to. Pastor never had to tell me to pay my tithes. That was a, a done deal. I knew the importance because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So I always wanted God to know that my heart and my trust was in him. So, yeah, always, 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 if you never learn any other principle, learn to love and trust Jesus. It changes everything. Amen. So yes, checks payable to expand Bible Church, cash app dollars on EBC Faith, text give to 210-903-9500 or ebcfaith.com forward slash give. Um, and if you need an envelope, envelopes are right on that front uh, seat. Anyone, raise your hand if you need an envelope. 
Anyone need an envelope? Everybody's digital givers. I don't even know why we still make money. <laughs> like, why they still print it? Bitcoin is just going to take over everything. Everybody's going to have Dogecoin and Bitcoin and we need to. You're like, no, you're not going to have it? No. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to put all my money in Dogecoin. They make a new coin like every day. There seems like there's some new. I'm like, how do you? They call them altcoins. So you have Bitcoin, you have all the alternative coins. I'm like, I'm going to have a Pastor Johnny coin. <laughs> make my own coin. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm gonna have make my own find out. I'm gonna have my own NFT and my own coin. Amen. I'm like, y'all buy my coin. Amen. All right, are we done giving? All right, never want to close out service without prayer. If you do not know where you stand with the Lord, then this is your time. This is your time. You do not, if you want to say, hey, I want to get closer to the Lord, this is your time. If you say, hey, I just want to be prayed for. Hey, I, I just want to get prayed for. Uh, you know, I'm going through some things right now, and I need, to, I need a little bit of prayer. Then this is your time. And if you say, hey, I was walking with God, and I turned around, and I just want to get closer to him, then this is your time. Don't walk down, run down. This is your opportunity. If you say, hey, give her a hand as she comes. Give her a hand as she comes. You say, hey, I, I, I really want to know the Lord in a deeper, closer, better, more consistent way. Then this is your time. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. Come on. All right.